thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. team and welcome back to The Real Food Real. Today on the show we have Dr. Damien Christoph, nutritionist, naturopath and chiropractor and a big part of The Wellness Guys and The Wellness Couch which as you know The Real Food Real is hosted on. Really looking forward to chatting with Damien today so without further ado thanks for your time and joining The Real Food Real Damien. Ah, oh, Steph, it's so great to be here. I've waited for ages to be invited to be on your podcast, so uh, thanks for having me. Amazing. So <laughs> it's been a long time coming, actually, seeing as we're you know in our seventieth episode or so. So it's good that we finally made this happen. Um, but just in case there are some people listening that don't know um, your story, what's sure. your elevator pitch? Who is Damien Christoph? <laughs> Oh, look, it changes all the time, Steph. Um, I love to think of myself as a family guy. You know, I love hanging out with my family and my son and, and my wife, and so that's that's a big deal for me. But uh, in my professional life, um, I'm, a, I'm a nutritionist, a naturopath, and a chiropractor, and, I, and I'm still in practice. So I practice in, in Sandringham in Victoria, so not very far away from you, Steph, just around the corner, actually. Um, and, uh, and, and I do lots of different media things, so I'm involved with Triple M. And uh, I had a TV show called Downsize Me, which screens on Channel Seven Two, and uh, and and I do lots of seminars and presentations that are you know both corporate and public, um, just teaching people about food and stress. So I do keep myself very busy. One of my biggest things I love to do is to manufacture muesli. So I've got my forage breakfast muesli company as well, which I I love to bits. Yeah, beautiful. So we'll chat in detail about all of those things today. Um, so I know uh, in regards to your seminars, The Power of Food is a seminar that you've been doing, well, for as long as, you know, we've been friends. Um, and obviously, we're all about real food here on the show. But can you share with us more about your philosophy and this seminar? Yeah, absolutely. The Power of Food uh, is, is, is a, um, I reckon... It's timeless. It's a, it's a type of presentation that I don't think I'm ever going to need to change a whole lot. I've been doing this presentation for nearly 14 years now. And uh, and I looked back at one of the very, very early ones that I had professionally recorded only a couple of weeks ago. And the information that I shared back then is very similar to the information that I'm sharing now. I probably speak better now than what I used to back then. And I use less slides now than what I used to back then. But it is entwined in a philosophy around food that in nature you'll find health and that in living things exists an energy that gives to it a, a form and a shape and a presence that enables it to be, you know, um, I suppose, giving of life. And so I try to explain that in a, in a way that when you, when, you, when you picture somebody or something that's alive, while it's alive, it has the ability to heal. So, for example, while I'm alive talking to you on this podcast, if I cut my hand while playing with a stapler, for example, I will, I'll bleed, but I would expect that that would heal itself. And the way in which that is, occurs is via an innate intelligence that's existing inside my body. Now, 
I didn't have to learn how to heal my cart. I didn't have to learn how to put white blood cells there or skin cells to go and fix it and heal it. Nor did I have to work out how I'm going to get my fingerprint back to the way that it was. It just does it because that's an intelligent function within the body. But if I died and then uh, somehow the stapler fell off my desk and hit my hand and gave my hand a cut, the, the fact that I just died and the life force from my body has disappeared will mean that my hand will no longer be able to heal itself. Now, I'll still hold myself in form for a period of time, but the intelligence or the energy that's inside my body now becomes something different. So it's the bacteria and the enzymes that exist inside my body that start to digest it and break it down and send it back to the earth, right? The fact that I had intelligence in the first place and an organization in, inside my body in the first place holds me in form for a period of time. And so I like to think of that in the context of, say, an apple, where if, if I've got an apple, even if I went down to the fresh food people and picked myself up an apple that's been sitting on their you know, shelves for six months or 12 months in their cold stores, and I cut it open and I take out one of the seeds from the apple, put that seed on some cotton wool and give it some water and some sunlight, that, that seed will grow. And that intelligence or that energy source only exists in living things or things that haven't been processed and blown to pieces and cooked and microwaved and you know stored and all that sort of stuff. So I love people to think about that philosophy, that living food or food that's real actually gives them more energy than the calories that they're counting. Yeah, it's such an awesome message. I think um, what I find really interesting is that you've been speaking this message for 14 years. What's been your experience over that time? I can imagine that initially people might looked at you like you're a bit strange because that was well in advance of the real food movement that we've seen in the last five years. Yeah, yeah, look, definitely. Um, I think because it's it's wrapped up in a philosophy that I learned both in naturopathy, which is the nature cure philosophy, and the philosophy of chiropractic, which uh, which, which I you know hold and value my whole life around. Like that, the combination of those two philosophies that in in nature uh, you'll find all the answers and all the secrets. So because I wrapped it up in a philosophy, it was very easy to explain and it was a bit of a light bulb moment for a lot of people. And when I spoke about that same philosophy on television, because Downsize Me in, enveloped that philosophy. And so when I did this TV show and I was explaining to people who had diabetes and heart disease and, and were morbidly obese, and I explained to them this philosophy on television, like 7.30 at night, it's the equivalent of Channel 10 in, in New Zealand, TV3. We're sharing with people in the public this philosophy. People are going, oh, my gosh, that's a light bulb moment. Mm -hmm. And what we saw during that period of time was massive amounts of fruit and vegetables being sold in the supermarkets with the absolute removal uh, from people's pantries of you know processed foods. Like you actually, it, There was articles in the paper written about it that the TV show had had such a massive impact on people's spending habits around real food, which is super exciting. So it wasn't, it's not too big a leap for people to understand that there's something special about real food versus something that's been manufactured. There's, there's really something different uh, between the two. And, and, and in, the, in the last 14 years, there's now been a greater understanding that a calorie is not a calorie is not a calorie. And whereas we used to hear all the time that, look, one calorie from an apple is the same as one calorie from a lolly. It's still a calorie. But we now understand that there's a degree of intelligence that exists inside living food as opposed to the dead and processed stuff. So the leap wasn't that big, but the understanding now is so much greater. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, it's, it's an easy concept to understand, but 14 years ago we were very much brainwashed with the you know, the low-fat era and calorie oh counting and 97% yeah. fat-free 
everything. Yeah. So I'm sure you've been challenged with foods like avocado or even eggs in your day because we were so afraid of fats, even though you only need yeah. to use common intelligence to appreciate that these foods have zero degree of human interference and, and nature knows yeah. best. Yeah, that's right. Well, everything that a chicken needs to grow on is inside that egg. Like, it doesn't need anything else. You know, the whole chicken actually grows inside that egg. Every single bit of nutrition, vitamin, mineral, calcium, whatever it needs to grow is inside that egg. So we can use that as a whole source of nutrition for our body. And, and of course, the avocado containing the monounsaturated fat that it does, plus the carbohydrate that it does, is so good for our body. And our body can recognize that and do amazing things with it. Um, you can't replicate that in something that's colored yellow and is turned into a different fat from another oil that it used to be since it's now been adulterated and frozen. So it's yeah, there's a very, very big difference you know, with that real food. But I did definitely come up against objection. Um, the Dietitians Association in New Zealand, in fact, I was reading, uh, you know, you know, there's a program called Time Hop. Have you ever seen Time Hop, Steph? Yes. Yeah, I've got Time Hop on my phone, right? Anyway, it said Time Hop four years ago. And uh, so I Time Hopped four years ago. And what I'd done is I'd, I'd seen a, a clip of an article that uh, the New Zealand Dietitians Association had written about something that I'd said, and it was a complaint. Mm. And it was a complaint about um, me suggesting that coconut oil would be beneficial for somebody to have. <laughs> and uh, and, they, and so mm. they lodged a complaint about that. And off the back of that complaint, they lodged complaints about my recommendations around people having up to 28 eggs of, a week um, as being healthy. And they also lodged a complaint about me saying that um, olive oil was a good fat. <laughs> anyway, so the Dietitians Association had set up a task force in, in New Zealand to try and uh, shut down uh, downsize me, but we went for four years in New Zealand um, and, and, and spoke a great message of, of health and well-being and, and the dietitians tried to shut it down and they didn't, but they were my number one objector. And the, the amazing thing about that is that the education that dietitians are still being taught in the schools today, even in Australia, is still antiquated. And so we still find that the education that they get is industry-run, industry-funded, and uh, it still is low-fat. Um, it's not sensible fat, it's low fat and it's high carbohydrate. And of course, that is, is a massive disaster from a diabetes, heart disease, obesity perspective. Worldwide, it's recognized that that's inappropriate advice. And, uh, and now we're starting to see breakaways from the Dietitians Association. So there's a new association in Australia being set up um, for dietitians who don't want to be part of that education model. They're actually you know, more sensible doing things like what you and I are doing, Steph, and educating people about real food. So you know, I, the biggest objection I've come up against is against professionals, not against individuals. Yeah, I mean, pretty much everyone knows how I feel about the DAA. I haven't been involved um, in the New Zealand side of things, but it's very similar, if not identical, in oh, Australia, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, um, terrible. But, I mean, as you say, with the new organisations being set up and certainly what we've seen in the last, I think, five years particularly with the exponential rise in education and awareness on real food that the, the, the times are changing i mean we even saw the the new food pyramid last year which is not perfect but it's significantly better way than better. What we've been looking at for five decades yeah it's way better it's mm. so much better it's a it's it's a great step in the in the right direction and and it acknowledges that fresh food should be the first thing that we eat uh, which which i think is spot on yeah absolutely very cool to see all those changes happening and 
Um, I'm sure, you know, because you've been doing this for so long, it must be such a relief for you to see that, you know, finally the, the big differences are in the education are taking place. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually um, around when McDonald's brought in the apple as part of their um, Happy Meal. And, uh, and, and the food industry group was a, is a group that's run um, literally by um, a representative from KFC, Red Rooster, McDonald's and Hungry Jacks. And so the, the food industry group, oh, sorry, not, not Red Rooster because they're not in New Zealand, but there's those three main um, far, takeaway stores and I think maybe Subway might have been involved in it as well. And that food industry group that they set up called the FIG, uh, which obviously stands for something else, um, they, they um, all spoke about putting fruit into their kids' meals. And the only company that actually took it on board was McDonald's. Now, in the first year that McDonald's put apples into their, into their kids' meals, um, less than 1% of kids' meals were sold with apples in it. And, and when I left New Zealand, um, this is how far the consciousness had shifted. Uh, when I left New Zealand, more than 75% of the kids' happy meals have been sold with an apple in it. And, uh, and so there was a massive shift, you know, even from fast food outlets who are notorious for producing very ordinary quality food and poor nutrition um, in, in their food were helping, you know, children to make better decisions. Even though they were still going into the wrong place to purchase that, they were still, they were still helping them make a better decision by eating an apple instead of having fries. So, you know, th there's been massive shift and I, I would be really fascinated to know how much is actually uh, is, is sold now with an apple um, as opposed to the French fries. Yeah, that's huge. Amazing mm. changes. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you about your um, second seminar, Crack Your Stress Code. Yeah. What I'm really interested in actually is what you learnt or what changes you made following the Bioceutical Symposium earlier this year. I was very mm -hmm. jealous that I couldn't make the event. And oh, I, what a great event. Yeah, I followed your, um, your time there and I'd love for you to share your learnings. Also, tell us more about your presentation. Yeah, absolutely. So... The, um, the, the Crack Your Stress Code is a really, uh, you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's almost like a revision class on the strategies because we all know how we can actually decrease the effect of stress. It's, it's impossible, I think, to take stress out of our life. We're surrounded by stress and it's just there. So whether you do yoga, meditation, mindfulness, walking, acupuncture, chiropractic, good nutrition, whatever you do, like you're not going to take stress away from your life. But there's so many different strategies that you can use and employ that are scientifically proven, evidence-based, um, you know, in terms of approaches to reduction of stress effects on the body. So not reduction of stress, but the reduction of the stress effect on the body. And that's what Cracky Stress Code talks about. So it goes down a, a, a pathway of explaining to the listener and the, and the, and the attendee um, what happens with stress and how do we go through different stages of stress so we move from stress into anxiety into insomnia and then depression and we talk about how to get out of that what are the things you've got to do to get out of each of those stages and what should you be looking for in terms of clues as to work out where you are in that stress cycle we talk about heart rate variability and and all the things that you can use to measure the way in which your body responds to stress whether or not it's responding to stress in a healthful manner or in an unhealthful manner so we we explore and explode all of that it's a it's a rapid seminar it goes about 60 minutes but the new information that i got um from from the Biophysical Symposium was really from Andrew Heyman. And Andrew spoke about this um, concept that many naturopaths and nutritionists have been speaking about and even integrative GPs have been speaking about called adrenal fatigue. 
And what he said is we've got the terminology wrong because the adrenal glands aren't actually fatigued. He said what actually happens is we see a faulty stress response. We, we see a faulty stress reaction. In other words, um, in some cases, we're not able to mount an appropriate stress response, but it could be for reasons other than what we had first suspected. So uh, that's where my ears pricked up. I was kind of like, well, what do you mean there's no such thing as adrenal fatigue? Because I see people that are tired all the time, right? And then he went into it to then explain, well, if you consider that the stress or the nervous system, like the sympathetic nervous system, which is the nervous system that manages the fight or flight response and the stress response that we're all so familiar with, when that gets activated and stays switched on, in other words, that's called chronic stress. When people are in stages or states of stress that's prolonged and um, non-retracting, um, their body secretes not only adrenaline but also cortisol and cortisol shuts down the immune system. He then said that over time what will happen is that the immune system will have almost a failure in the ability to manage infection um, and to manage the, the buildup of cells that need to be cleaned up. He then basically then went on to say that what could then potentially happen is as cortisol is purposely lowered by the body, so it's not that the adrenal glands can't keep up anymore, it's that cortisol signaling is switched off, like it's actually down-regulated so that the immune system can pick up. So that many times when cortisol is low, the immune system is rising so that it can mount an appropriate immune response to a low-grade chronic infection or a high-grade acute infection, um, and the cortisol levels then remain flat. It's not necessarily that the adrenal glands can no longer keep up. He said that what's interesting is that when we as naturopaths and nutritionists um, and integrated GPs and even chiropractors um, treat the, the, the adrenal glands as if they're fatigued and we try to prop them up with B vitamins, then what in fact we're doing is potentially shutting down an appropriate immune response. And I found that to be really, really fascinating because, you know, I, I think because of the terminology around adrenal fatigue, we've, we've forgotten that there's other systems within the body that rely on adrenaline and cortisol. And and we, we've paid not enough homage to the immune system that's probably battling away in the background while we're trying to support the adrenal glands and the immune system's trying to get on top of, you know, infection and whatever else. So he definitely said that there was a, a case for supporting the adrenal glands and giving B vitamins and withania and all the herbs that we'd use to try and bring adrenal function back up. But he said it's very important to consider that maybe there's a low-grade infection that the body's trying to, you know, get on top of. So maybe support the immune system first and then see whether or not the immune system um, gets on top of the infection and the adrenal glands then restore themselves to normal. And it was a really great insight for me to be able to acknowledge that the body is so intelligent and it doesn't do things poorly. It just from time to time, it has responses that we don't know how to predict. And, um, and, and I just loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic point. I, I see people, you know, using that label adrenal fatigue and taking a herb or taking a supplement. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the, the, <laughs> the supplement's going to do nothing if you're drinking three coffees or four coffees or five coffees a day and that you're not practicing mindfulness and that you're not looking after your gut health. And yeah. I think it's really important that we put things in order of priority. It's obviously real food, gut health, like changing your lifestyle, etc. before you look for, you know, a supplement that might be sold as quote-unquote, uh, adrenal fatigue support. Yeah, totally, 100%, Steph. And, and I like to think of supplements in two different ways. So we, I think we always have to remember that supplements behave like drugs in the body. So a lot of people go, oh, a supplement's safe and a drug's not. Well, you have to understand that what a supplement, in fact, is, is a, a, a packet of information that is telling the body to behave in a particular way. 
So vitamins and minerals, for example, are signals to the body um, to behave in a particular way. So if I give the body B vitamins, that will signal the body to behave in a particular way. If I give the body um, calcium, then it will signal the body to behave in a particular way. And it might even use that calcium to help build some bones or maybe some muscles or maybe some other things within the body that, you know, require calcium. So it's, um, you know, it's... it's important to understand that they behave the same way. But I think even more powerful are herbs and because herbs really don't have a role to play in the building of the body, um, but they have a role to play in the signaling of the body. And so if you think about where all pharmaceutical drugs have come from, they've come from the effects of herbs. So if you, if you consider things like um, digoxin, uh, which is uh, a medication they use for angina, that comes from the foxglove plant um, that you see running all the way through New Zealand, that beautiful digitalis, if you like, fissionalis flower, foxglove, beautiful looking plant. If you look at aspirin, for example, it comes from willow bark, which is the willow tree. And so all of, a lot of these um, drugs actually come from natural things, which are herbs. And so herbs have a drug-like effect on the body in that they signal the body to do something. Now, if you don't have all of the necessary ingredients, in other words, if your microbiome's not in good shape, your gut's not in good shape, and you haven't got the right amount of nutrition or good food going into the body, you don't have the ingredients to be able to build health. You don't have the ingredients to be able to restore health to your body. So there's no point taking herbs and vitamins and minerals to signal the body to do something that it can't do because it doesn't have the ingredients. So you've got to give the ingredients, and the microbiome, the gut, is totally responsible for how all of that's absorbed. So you've got to go back to the gut. Yeah. Absolutely. And hopefully all of our listeners are, are pretty across, you know, gut health, but also the, the order of priorities that we do speak about so often. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you think about the term adrenal dysfunction then? I love it. Yeah. I love it because it makes sense. Mm. It makes sense that the adrenal glands are not functioning properly. It's a faulty stress response. Yeah. Um, that faulty stress response is a terminology that I think is more accurate mm. than, uh, than saying that the adrenals are fatigued and they need a little rest. Um, if the adrenal glands fatigue and they need a little rest, then you're in a lot of trouble because yeah. you need to be able to have a response. Like the adrenal glands are so important. So, um, yeah, I, I love that term, faulty adrenal, uh, faulty, uh, faulty glands and a faulty system. It's good. Yeah, I try to move away from the labels. Like even when I talk to a client about their test results from a, a salivary panel, for example, I would never say the word or I really try hard not to say the word adrenal fatigue or even adrenal dysfunction because I think then the individual might walk around with a bit of a label, which um, isn't going to help their healing process. So I think you know the language that you use is excellent if you just talk about there is you know a, a fault that we can support and um, sort of spin that, spin it to be that you know that positive framework then we're looking at it as being, you know, something that we can approach, you know, quite comfortably with those changes that we've been discussing. Yeah, totally, totally. And language is really important. I think we get caught up in Australia and using language is very um, alienating and very polarizing. And uh, I'm not saying that from a nutritionist or naturopath or chiropractic perspective, um, but, uh, you know, definitely... Definitely what we see is uh, is a polarizing language that we use in Australia where people are given a diagnosis um, and then given a treatment that's mm. that's not necessarily uh, patient centered or patient focused it's it's uh, what we call evidence based and 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 uh, that 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 raises a lot of concerns for a lot of people, particularly me yeah yeah for sure now tell us about forage cereal how long have you been um, making forage i know um i know the story of how it started but perhaps share with our listeners and tell us more about where things are at today 
Ah, oh, thanks, Steph. It's 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 one of my loves. It, look, it's a it's still a little company, and we're still you know battling away and doing what we do. You know, making muesli for people. And, and the, the biggest thing that I I know about you know breakfast when people do it is they either do it poorly most of the time, or they can't be bothered, or they get bored. And uh, and so what I wanted to create with Forage is a range of mueslis um, that are gluten free, um, high protein, low carbohydrate. Um, largely unprocessed, so the, the degree of processing uh, mainly is steaming uh, that we use with our rice products. We do uh, do heat popping um, of the grains in the muesli product, and uh, and I suppose in an ideal world, I'd love to not have to do that, but we've got to activate these these grains to get things going. So um, we've got a blend of different types of mueslis, including our porridge stuff, which is made with Andean grains. So it's got millet and oh sorry, amaranth and quinoa and you know, cinnamon and vanilla and brown rice and just, it's really delicious. But I've been doing it now for nearly five years. Uh, you know, that's that's the Forage brand, but it's off the back of the success that we had using the Muesli product in the TV show Downsize Me to assist people in reduction of weight and assist people in reduction of cholesterol and, and their blood sugar levels. And and it's born out of the need to increase protein and increase fat in the diet and, and reduce carbohydrates on mass. So it's really important to you know, put that into context because only recently in the last couple of years have we seen like this fear of sugar and fear of carbohydrates It's made the media. Um, but the understanding and the need to actually go relatively low carbohydrate just for good health has been around for, you know, quite some time. You know, even longer than 14 years ago when, you know, uh, Doc Atkins was talking about the Atkins program, there was a real understanding there that if you reduce carbohydrate to a significantly low level, then the body has the ability to heal itself. Yeah, very cool. I I think we've seen, and you've probably seen it more than anyone, a, a emergence of these these healthy cereals. Um, you only need to go into a you know a health food store and look at the hundreds of brands. Um, yeah. But are you quite confident that forage forage stands out because of that nutritional message with you know low degree of human interference and say the macronutrient balance that you strive for? Yeah, absolutely, Stefan. Look, I work really hard on that. A lot of people actually I had a guy yesterday um, ask me, you know, who who comes up with the recipes, and I said oh, I come up with the recipes. He said, How do you know all about it? And I said, Well, that's you know, obviously it's my training, but I am so passionate about the flavor of food, but I'm way more passionate about the nutrient value of food. And so for me, it's it's crucial that we don't cook nuts and seeds. Like it's it's so important that we don't. And most of the mueslis that are out there have been toasted or they've been tossed with some kind of sugar. I'm even seeing muesli's out there now tossed with um, artificial sweeteners that are, you know, otherwise called natural sweeteners. You know, and, and I see that and I go, well, that's not good. Like if we're sitting with the body something sweet and it's been cooked and processed, it's a disaster. It's a recipe for disaster. So I really I encourage people to eat as much raw as they possibly can in the morning um, and, and try to, you know, avoid processed food where they possibly can, particularly in the morning because that's, that's where you started in the day so um you know if i can encourage people to eat better in the morning then that's a great thing yeah absolutely so check out foragecereal.com team the link will be in the show notes and so lastly we are catching up again um, in september at the wellness summit for those of our listeners that aren't across the wellness summit give them a taste of what it's all about and how they can find out more 
Steph, it's it's such an amazing mm. thing. You know, amazing. this summit is, uh, I think it's our fourth summit. Maybe it's our fifth summit. I'm, I'm a little bit lost now. <laughs> I can't remember Losing now. <laughs> but, oh, my gosh, it's crazy. But um, in previous years, we've had, you know, six, seven hundred, eight hundred people attend our summits. And this year, we're expecting over 1,200 people in our summit this year. And, and the summit, Steph, which you'll be at and a, a headline um, at, our, at our summit again this year is... is um, it's a two-day event essentially where we bring some of the greatest minds of health and wellness in Australia into one room at Crown Casino or so, yeah, um, no, Melbourne, Melbourne Convention Exhibition Centre this year yes. um, to, to really just flesh out what are the, the current you know, understandings and what are the things that people could be doing to actually help themselves on their wellness journey. It's so well received. There's the exhibition space. People are out there trying, sampling, buying stuff, you know, trying on barefoot shoes and trying, you know, different fermented products and, you know, buying books and all kinds of stuff. It's got, it's a, a really great high energy feel. But you're surrounded by 1,200 people that are like-minded. And then all those people that you feel are relatively untouchable, you know, people like yourself, Steph, people you listen to you and they go, oh, my gosh, I'd love to meet Steph Lowe. I get people saying to me all the time, do you actually really know Steph Lowe? And I go, yeah, <laughs> Steph's awesome, you know. <laughs> Seriously. I say go down to the woodshed and see her there. You can stalk her there. And so they um, – you know, people people really want to get to meet and touch and understand and know who their podcasters are, and they get that opportunity uh, at this particular summit, at these summits. And but the other thing that's really exciting, Steph, is that we're having an awards night on the Saturday night at gala, and uh, and so on the Saturday night there'll be a gala event where the podcasters will be receiving awards. Um, there's um, we're about to launch all the categories for that, and we're about to launch how to, how people can actually vote, really? and people will be able to vote on um, on their favourite podcast and they'll be able to, you know, leave comments and all kinds of stuff. And so there'll be awards given. It's inaugural. It's the first time it's happened. And, and people, listeners, your listeners, Steph, will be able to attend this particular event and then really get to see, you know, what's really going on in the wellness space from a, uh, from a, a podcasting and social media world. I didn't even know that. So many you don't secrets know? coming a lot out of secrets. this year's event. <laughs> There's so many great things happening. We're pulling it all together. We finalised most of the the um, the the, uh, the finer details only just 48 hours ago in a meeting that the Wellness Couch uh, had and all the Wellness guys with Marcus Pierce had, and uh, it's 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 looking like an unbelievable, an amazing event this year. Oh, I can't wait. Last year was amazing. Just such a full weekend of inspiration and amazing people. And we, I think we all learned heaps, you know, even the presenters. So um, it's great that there's been a, a little bit of a revamp and some new and exciting things that, um, you know, I can't, can't wait to be involved in. Oh, it's going to be great to have you there and, um, and particularly with the new format and the way in which people will be able to interact with you and hear your story and hear what you're speaking about. Um, I think that everybody that attends is in for a, a really massive surprise uh, and, and an incredible experience. It's going to be you know, just yeah. amazing. Mm. Very cool. So um, tickets are available at thewellnesssummit.com. Yes. Um, I they're believe- on sale too at the moment. Yeah, yes. They're on sale. So they're... they're um, Yep, they're as cheap as what you're going to get them at the moment, mm. um, and they're only going to get more expensive as we get closer to the event. Now, um, that's yeah, sure. that's important for you to understand. Yeah, amazing, and and because it's it's actually selling. Uh, as you said before, we started recording demo. It's um, selling quickly, so I think it's um, time that everyone gets involved because it's nearly June. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's that's right. The yeah. Now. 
Mm. I know September ten and eleven, um, mm. you know, in Melbourne at the Melbourne Convention Exhibition Centre. But uh, you know, we're more than halfway there with our ticket sales, yeah. um, and generally, you know, with three months out, there'll be a massive rush on, particularly mm. as the prices are about to go up, and, um, and and so people really do need to get on there and, and get their tickets sooner rather than later. Yeah, amazing, very exciting. So head to the show notes team for more information about Demo, um, Forage Cereal, and of course the Wellness Summit in September this year. Damo, thanks for your time today. It's been great to have you on the show and looking forward to catching up in September, if not before. Oh, thanks so much, Steph. It's been a pleasure. I'm so happy and proud of what you're doing with The Real Food Real. It's, uh, it's an amazing program. And, and I know the listeners out there, your listeners are absolutely wrapped and they're in love with the show. So keep on doing your great work and spreading the message. Thanks, Steph. Amazing, Damo. Thanks for that. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.